Hey everybody, welcome to another episode of Film Haven Reviews. I am your host Sawyer as always and today we are starting a whole new theme. We're moving away from any kind of horror movies or anything like that. Uh, I know I've done a lot of those lately. A lot of small films from more recent eras and I decided to kind of uh, dip my toes into some older classics that I've been meaning to get to since forever. And there is one name, one director, one filmmaker, one auteur, if you want to call him that, uh, that has been, you know, bandied around in my head a million times through Instagram, through film school, through just general conversations, and that is Ingmar Bergman. I said it right this time. I've been having a hard time saying his name. It's Ingmar Bergman. Bergman is this Swedish director that has... Uh, made he's very prolific he's made many many films over the years uh, he died in 2007 so he made uh, many movies over the years and is just one of those most famous kind of uh, I don't know if you'd say experimental but maybe just uh, thought-provoking very um, avant-garde maybe art house is a better way to put it um, he is very conceptual with his movies from what I can tell and having just watched the movie that we're talking about today, which is uh, Persona, by the way, uh, from 1966, um, I can say yes, he is extremely experimental, he is extremely conceptual, and uh, man, if this movie wasn't really hard to decipher, um, it was so hard, and you know, I'm a little out of practice here, because I haven't really done a movie um, that was really this layered in a long time, uh, I had, I needed some help. So I was like kind of looking up after I watched the movie, I'm like, what, what did I just experience? I knew that I liked it. I knew that, I knew that it was interesting. I knew that it was playing with a lot of different ideas, uh, a lot of monologues about life and, and, and these kinds of like, um, personal, uh, um, inquiries that you have a lot of self-reflection, stuff like that. So I was like, I know there's stuff going on, obviously I can try to pick things out here and there. Um, but what's like, is there like a thing, like, what's the deal with this movie? Like, what is the, the actual, like, what does it mean? And I looked it up and you know what? I was very pleased to find out that there, that critics at the time also felt like the movie was specifically very hard to decipher. And I was like, thank you. I'm not alone here. It's not just me being out of the loop or, uh, out of practice of looking into movies. It's actually just like the movie is specifically designed to be hard to pin down because the movie is talking about so many different things at once. In fact, I have a quote here from Bergman himself when asked about the movie. He said, on many points I am unsure, and in one instance at least, I know nothing. So the whole point was that he I mean, he was, he was uh, uh, admitting that he didn't himself even really know exactly what the movie was about, which to an extent I think is kind of fun. I mean, I think he made a movie that was throwing out feelings taking uh, introspective lines of thoughts and throwing them out into the ether and kind of not seeing what sticks so much, but uh, but throwing it to the audience to let the audience kind of self-reflect and see what those things mean to them. I've talked about before how one of the things I love about art is that you get to make your own interpretation. And a lot of times there is a kind of a fight in some ways between the intention of the creator and the interpretation of the audience. And sometimes they clash. And sometimes uh, it, it's more important, I would say, that the audience, the audience's interpretation is more important than the author's intention. However, in this movie, they're kind of one and the same because the author's kind of being like, I don't know either. Like, I'm just going to make this. And I kind of feel like I'm, I'm seeing it one way, but you guys can see it however you want to. 
you, this might sound like a bunch of gobbledygook right now because I haven't even explained the story, but uh, as you'll see with as I explain the story, th it doesn't make too much sense anyway. The story is very simple. There are these two women, Elizabeth and Almer. Elizabeth is uh, she's basically uh, committed herself or has been committed uh, into a psychiatric care because she has refused to speak. She's become mute. Uh, she was a great actress, and now she won't talk. And the idea is that she basically has fallen to melancholy or, you know, depression. Um, and now uh, Almer, the other woman, is the nurse that's in charge of taking care of her. It's basically like a one-on-one -on -one nurse situation. They start off in this hospital setting, and then at some point they decide to go to this beach house. from. Uh, it's like one of the psychiatrist's personal beach house to go and kind of refresh and maybe have some just uh solitude therapy i don't know isolation therapy get some fresh air and then get the depression kind of out of her system i guess is was the idea um however uh the longer that they stay at this beach house they start off really nice and they're having a good time the longer they get there the more uh the fact that elizabeth is not talking is starting to really wear at almer's psyche uh, at first, she's talking to her all the time and basically just like spilling her beans and just saying everything that comes to her head. And she's kind of relieved because she feels like no one listens to her. And now it's like, you know, it, it, the movie, you know what? A good way to describe this movie is like, you know how like sometimes I've seen it in media and it makes sense too, just in general. Like if you talk to a wall or like talk to someone like a mute or someone who doesn't talk that you think is listening, you talk to them for long enough and eventually you start like turning on them or you start turning on yourself because you have no feedback. And so your, your thoughts are allowed to kind of catch on to one another and they go from being relieved to being uh, paranoid. And then you start self-reflecting so much because all you're doing is talking. And next thing you know, you've like gone, you're like asking questions about your own existence. And, you know, I, I've seen that in, in movies and stuff as well as, I mean, it, it makes sense. Like you just basically you're talking into an echo chamber to yourself and eventually you just kind of like wrap back in on yourself. And then at some point, Almer reads this letter that she was taking the mail out for Elizabeth and herself. And she reads Elizabeth's um, letter. And in the letter, basically because Almer had given some secrets out about things that she's done in her past and past sins and stuff like that. And um, Elizabeth had written a letter that was basically detailing those things out to her husband. And that was like obviously seen as a big betrayal in her her uh view on elizabeth starts to sour and then she starts really because once again elizabeth is not talking she's a mute and so she starts arguing with elizabeth almer does and then it's like you're arguing with the wall and so it starts to just really make her kind of go insane and then at some point now this movie is super old it's also pretty well known if you know about this movie you kind of know like it's not so much a twist as it is like, I mean, you never know Like you never really know what's going on. So I don't think I'm really like giving away some spoiler, but there is this idea that's being played that they are one and the same. Like some people have said that this movie is like a uh, inspiration to fight club, um, which I'm not going to necessarily reveal that movie if you haven't seen it, but you know, most people know about fight club and yeah. So if you know fight club, you know what I'm talking about. So basically like they keep like their persona, using the title of the, of the movie, keeps kind of ebbing back and forth. And at times you don't know whether Elizabeth is Almer or Almer is Elizabeth. A lot of times it's more Almer being Elizabeth, but their, their personhood is kind of closing together. Now, as much as I, I already knew that about the movie, so I knew that was kind of coming, 
But at the same time, like it wasn't as obvious or it wasn't as like blatant as I was expecting it to be. It wasn't as super heavy handed. By the end of the movie, it kind of gets a little bit heavy handed. But at first, it's just kind of like, oh, Almer starts to smoke where uh, Elizabeth has always smoked. And she even mentions like, oh, you've, you've taught me to smoke. And then they start dressing the same. They start. And then there's a lot of shots by the end where they're like in the same frame looking at each other. And like there's a lot of just mirrored imagery between the two of them. Um, that's kind of showing that they're like melding in some way. Um, th and there's also like, some really interesting um, cinematography here. It reminds me a lot actually of another movie I did a long time ago from the same year called Daisies. Now this is a Czechoslovakian film, but this was during a time when the Czechs were doing these really experimental films. Daisies is a great example. Another one later, I think it was the same uh, director of photography uh, for the movie The Cremator. Same idea that there's very, lots of transitions that are very fluid and at moments you, they'll be having the same conversation and within like the, like the same sentence they will be changing settings from outside of the beach house to inside the room. They go all over the place. The longer the movie goes on, the more the settings change, the transitions change. Everything is just kind of like it's really wooey wooey. I mean, and the movie starts off wooey wooey. Like the the beginning sequence, the first like two minutes of the movie, the intro basically is just a series of images, and it, it feels very film school. It feels very experimental. It feels very like the kind of like because I remember in film school they used to send us out to like the local theater, and we would go watch like a uh, like a short film festival of like experimental movies and stuff like that. And it was always just like lots of disparate images put together to try to like form some kind of coherent. Um, idea or thesis and this was it kind of gave me that same vibe you know lots of people like staring at the at the camera and 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 slightly moving their head or then there's like this shot of someone having a nail driven through their hand and then there's a really gross shot of a goat having their throat slit that was not okay but it's giving Salvador Dali I guess um, but anyway so the movie definitely doesn't try to hide the fact that it's very experimental and there's this great shot towards the middle of the film that I remember very clearly being shown to me in film school. So I knew this was coming, um, but they talked about how important this, you know, this shot was to cinema at the time. And of course, uh, this is more in retrospect rather than at the time, because like I was saying before, at the time, critics didn't even know really what to make of this movie because it's kind of hard to know what to make of it. Um, obviously, as you can probably tell by now. Anyway, so there's this shot where... Um, uh, Elizabeth is outside and Almer, the more of the main character, Alma, is inside and she's kind of like they're kind of connecting to each other in some way, like maybe psychologically. Um, and at one point, Elizabeth like trips over something and hurts herself. And then there's just like this quietness and a little bit of a like a strings or kind of like increasing some tension. And then you're focusing on um, Alma kind of looking outside and I mean you're assuming that she's looking towards Elizabeth but you don't know and then all of a sudden the entire frame of the of the screen that you would maybe say the camera of the movie just shatters there's like an effect of like the entire frame shattering and half of the half of the entire shot just like cuts out and like falls like glass and then at some point the film Literally the film of, because, you know, back then they shot it in film, obviously, it was before digital. The film burns up and it just like goes to white and then transitions into another scene. And I, or it transitions back into some of those uh, disparate images that I was talking about, those experimental images. So it kind of goes back to those concepts for a little bit and then comes back to the story. And it's just so like jarring. And I wish I could tell you exactly what they told me in film school like 11 years ago, what that meant. 
but uh it is it is very like shocking in a way it's very uh eye-catching i could definitely see for people at the time to be like whoa haven't seen that before and you know it reminds me of daisies once again because of that daisies uh that movie which is great i definitely recommend it um it, it it does this like craziness where it always is like messing with editing tricks to kind of take you in and out of spaces and just disorient you a little bit and i think that was the point of this movie as well is to kind of disorient you while also allowing you to ponder and self-reflect on your own identity this entire movie everything from the making of the movie to the characters within them are, seem to be having identity crises and I think that's the point. And, and, and so, of course, the movie is called Persona. So it's, it's all about your persona, your, your personhood, your, your personality, who you are inside or outside, however you want to reflect yourself or however you want to f reflect yourself inward, all those kind of concepts. And I think that's the point of the movie is to throw out just different ideas within those realms and see where they go. It also is like about insanity. It's about losing your mind sometimes. It's about feeling um, like you just can't hold on to everything all at once. I think that's part of it too. Is that because there's a couple of scenes where characters are just kind of like losing their mind and not in a way that's like the like old style classic like, oh, that person's just lost their mind. It's more in the way of like extreme confusion with one's self and one's, one's own interpretation of themselves and not knowing who they are existential crisis to the max there are lots of soliloquies lots of monologues uh people talking to each other people talking to themselves and and in those conversations a lot of it is alma talking to herself to be honest uh or talking to someone else but it, it's it's all these like diatribes about uh just the way that they view their life or the way that they view their actions versus their thoughts at one point alma is arguing with uh elizabeth but obviously she's just arguing with the wall and is arguing that like i know that you're like bored of me talking about how my actions don't reflect how i how my thoughts and i think that that was an interesting idea that's a little tidbit that you can grab you know and that's pretty much what you had to do with this movie i feel like you had to just take it scene by scene and take it line by line and take from it what you want. It's almost like the movie itself is like a museum exhibition where you're taking each art piece and that's each scene because it's not extremely coherent. Um, I think it's more coherent than some experimental films, but in the end, there's no like great like conclusion. There's no great revelation. And that is like what I'm talking about. I mean, that's what he said himself. He said, and I'm not, I am unsure on many points. And in one instance, at least I know nothing. So he doesn't even know what the movie is about. So trying to find that out for yourself, for me, is hard. My take is mostly about self-reflection. It's taking those little lines that they say and chewing on them for a little bit and seeing what they mean to you. Just like going and seeing an art piece in a museum and seeing what that means to you. And I think that's really cool. I think that's really, I mean, in, on in honesty, I know that you can maybe look at this movie and be like, it's really stuffy. You know, like there's a lot of like looking into the camera and then the positioning of the movie is very important. There is like, you know, uh, Elizabeth is looking into the camera or a lot of times it's Alma that's looking into the camera and then Elizabeth will just come into the frame from the right and kind of overtake half her face. And, and while she's monologuing, while Alma's monologuing, you know, it's very, uh, very avant-garde, very, very art house. Um, but, but, and you can make fun of that if you want. That style of filmmaking has been parodied 
over the years, I think to the point where now it's hard to watch those sometimes without thinking about the joke behind it, you know, in the future, like when people make fun of these kind of experimental films or these really small introspective films. But if you want to take it seriously, I think it's very, very much worth watching. Also, uh, just like camera quality wise, you know, it's so crazy how I always talk about this, but like in the 80s, uh, a lot of times, mostly in the 80s, but also the 70s, there were so many movies that just like were so grainy and the way that they filmed them were just so like, uh, it seemed like picture quality went down. And then you have some of these movies in the 60s that are just like crisp. This movie, watching it on the TV is just like, it's so clean. It's so crisp. It's so uh, clear. And, and, and it's such a pleasure to watch that kind of Christmas, crispness on screen, even if it's just two women in a, on a beach house. Some of the shots of the coastal areas is nice, but there's really not that many like establishing shots or environmental shots. It's mostly just the two women talking to each other. I mean, that's really most of the movie. But like I said, the, the, the clearness, the, the camera quality that they, that they used in this movie is just incredible. And it's just kind of a feast for the eyes. Um, as well as the, I, I like the idea that he went black and white. Now, that's, as we're going to find out, um, Bergman, that's his style. I don't know if he ever did a color movie. Maybe he did. Um, but the famous ones, the ones that we're going to be talking about are all in black and white. Um, I think that's just like the way he wanted to do it. I, I personally really enjoy black and white movies, whether you want to be experimental, avant-garde or whatever. Um, even a regular black and white movie is just really good for me personally. I really like it. I think I love lighting in movies and, the, and especially the using of contrasting of lighting. In this movie, it was a lot more of that dull gray scale, um, more exposed. Um, so I, but yet still, like I said, it's crisp. So, it, it, you know, it's fine. Um, but a lot of times when it comes to black and white movies, I like it to be a little bit more contrasted so so that you can kind of put some expressionism inside of those darks and those brights. Uh, a lot of noir obviously uses that, uh, you know, like the classic, the shades going over someone's eyes or something like that. It can get really trite really fast if you're not doing it right. Um, but in this movie, uh, it, I don't think he's really playing with lighting too much. I think most of the movie is more about the substance the writing and then of course actually the editing so that is part of the cinematography but um, the editing is really a big part of this movie because there is a lot of crossfades a lot of uh, what they call was that match cuts and a lot of and then that scene that i talked about before where it's like the glass is breaking and you're going off into another world for a little bit um it's it's definitely like not only is it supposed to be uh mind bending for the characters but also for the viewer like you were just watching this scene and now like, you know, I guess especially back then to see like you would actually maybe think that the film role in the projector room of the theater had burnt out. Like, I guess that was the maybe the idea, too, is to kind of give that that feeling, because I'm sure a lot of people back then have experienced that situation as well. Um, we don't get that now because of the digital projectors, but uh, at the time, you know, if that would have happened, they would have been seeing that movie for the first time and that scene happens and it, and it looks like the film burnt out. They'd be like, Hey, what's going on? You know, like, I think that's kind of fun too. So really, really cool movie, really interesting movie. I think, um, just because I just don't know, um, this is really a hard movie to, uh, to review. I mean, to rate, I guess, because, um, I really enjoyed it, but I feel like it's one of those movies that, I don't know. It's probably better than what I'm going to say it is. I w I'm going to go for like an eight, even though like some film scholars might say it's like a, a 12 out of 10 or something because it's, it is like supposed to be really important for cinema as a whole. 
Um, but for me personally, I was really enriched by the themes that they were they were giving. I really appreciated the um, the master class editing that was going on. I loved the camera quality. The acting was really well done. Um, all those things were great. I mean, I got to give props to Alma, the character who played Alma, because she basically talked to the entire movie. It was basically a one-woman show with uh, Elizabeth just being her sounding board, which, of course, you got to give her some credit for being doing all that visual acting, but... Um, Alma really like she had to really like work extra hard for that movie. So I, I really appreciated the acting and the editing and the uh, the kind of philosophical introspection that it brought. And I feel like that's going to be a kind of through line with Ingmar Bergen Bergman's. I can never say his name. Ingmar Bergman's name. I'm, we're going to say Bergman from now on because Ingmar is just weird. And there's also the famous actress in, uh, Ingrid Bergman. And that gets me confused because I want to say Ing Ingrid, but it's Ingmar. Anyway, I digress. I've, it's, been a, it's been an issue. Um, but yeah, Bergman movies, it seems like they're very introspective. So I think we're going to see more of that with these next two movies. So next week we are going to be doing um, Through a Glass Darkly, which I'm really excited for because um, one of my favorite um, books is A Scanner Darkly from uh, Philip K. Dick. And that movie is really good, too. And I reviewed that a long time ago. And I've got a feeling that that's like maybe a reference to that. Although, to be honest, I really do not know. So anyway, uh, I hope you guys have a good week this week. And I will see you next Friday.